Alright. I missed last week. Uh, which is fine. Because six people listen to this. <laughs> so. That's fine. Um, and. I'm kind of conflicted. I'm going to decide what I want to talk about. By the time I get out of the parking lot here. Uh, On the one hand, I already had a subject that I picked out a couple days ago that I wanted to talk about on theological elitism. Just the idea of like, everyone kind of has their guy in theology, right? Everyone has like their camp or tribe or whatever hip terminology you want to use. And if it's not that camp or that tribe, then it's wrong, right? Or it's uh, unorthodox, or it's, you know, what have you. Um, And the other topic that I wanted to talk about was, and maybe we'll just get two, you'll just get two episodes this week. Um, The other thing that I wanted to talk about was just how frustrated I am just about this, about the coronavirus. And I just wanted to vent about that for a little bit. And everybody seems to be doing a lot of grandstanding and everyone's an expert, it seems like. And everyone's got it figured out. So, um, pulling out of the parking lot, sick of talking about the coronavirus. So, we'll go with elitism. So, uh, I'm going to name drop, <laughs> which I don't think I've done since the first two episodes. Um, and I'm going to name drop Josh Robinson. And I'm going to be sure to tag him in this one so that he can give it a little listen. And I am, much like I've done with uh, other names that I've dropped, I'm unashamedly going to try to ride his coattails in the hopes that he will uh, share this and give give this a little bit, give this little project of mine a little bit of exposure on the social media platforms, okay? Um, Josh Robinson, middle of last week, maybe, early middle of last week, he shared um, a post, and I don't know if it originated with him, um, but he did four, um, his theology in four theologians. And to be completely honest with you, I don't remember who his four were. It's not really relevant to the rest of what I have to say, but I don't remember who his four were. And he's so much more well-read than I am that I probably have never heard of them anyways. And that just kind of led to, like, a chain of events of others who I am close with on Facebook and I interact with a lot on social media who then took it upon themselves to... um, post therefore and comment therefore and interact and uh, something that struck me and kind of irritated me was if one of your guys that you because I participated I shared who mine were uh, my four I, I, I went with the four theologians that have had the biggest impact on me and they were John Piper, Mark Driscoll Doug Wilson and Joel McDermott and you can find my Facebook and find why I said that Um, But a thing that struck me that kind of irritated me was if one of your guys was uh, a little bit outside of certain Christian camps, 
in the way that uh, he thought and the way that he talked or maybe the way he reasoned about scripture or the way that he worked through theological issues um, it was there were responses that seemed to indicate that one's uh, theology ought to be called into question their orthodoxy ought to be called into question just by saying this man really influenced me in the way that I approach an issue, okay? Um, and that kind of that kind of chafed me a little bit, and I'll tell you why. Um, this April will make twelve years that I'm a Christian, okay? April thirtieth will make twelve years that I've been a Christian. Still, in the grand scheme of things. Um, pretty young, right? Like, one of the elders of my church has been a pastor for 40 years, just for some perspective. So, still uh, still a little wet behind the years in terms of maturity, in terms of theology, right? And over those 12 short years, I have been personally influenced by a lot of really bad theology, Okay? Um, I've held some really erroneous positions over the years that now I would completely repudiate, right? But God has used those positions, okay? And God has used the teachers who hold those positions to shape me and to impact me nonetheless, okay? And every time that he's done that, he has done it in a way that makes me more like Jesus. And the reason that I can say that with confidence, and the, the reason that I can boldly say that God has used all of these things to make me more like Jesus, is because the Bible promises that God works all things after our will, for our good, for the good of those who love him, and God works all things to shape us to make us more like Jesus. So, I am more like Jesus today than I was when I first became a Christian 12 years ago. Okay? And, God has done that through uh, various bad theologians. So, by way of personal anecdote, um, I, 2011, 2012-ish, uh, I dabbled a little bit with Rob Bell. I read Love Wins. Um, that was the first work that kind of, um, that was the kind of, the first work that I read that I kind of was challenged with theologically. It was the first thing that I read that was not just like a feel-good devotional type thing, right? There was some, some challenging aspects of that because I had not been trained theologically. Um, I also, around that same time, uh, had picked up and read The Shack, okay? Um, both of those, Love Wins and The Shack, are, heres are heretical, just out-and-out out heretical, right? The Shack gets the Trinity completely wrong and is goddess worship because it depicts God as a woman, okay? And God is not a female, um, and Love Wins is just out and out, like, inclusivism, universalism, okay? 
and just completely undermines the substitutionary work that Jesus did on the cross and is just a gateway into all sorts of unorthodoxy, okay? With that being said, God used now, in my life, I can say that God used love wins in my life to really open me up to think about how much God loves people, how much God loves, okay? And I don't know that if it had not been for that work, that I would not think in that sort of way, okay? Um, and over the years, I've read guys that are a little bit more analytical, that are a little bit more systematic, and I've noticed a tendency in my own heart and in my own mind to uh, almost come across, almost be a little bit colder in the way that I think and in the way that I interact with Scripture and with people, okay? But um, there was a point in time in my life where if if we were having a conversation and the conversation ended and we were parting our different ways, um, it was not uncomfortable for me to say to someone, to say to even, even like a male friend, Hey, see you tomorrow, man. Love you, dude. Right. To tell it, to tell it, to tell somebody that I love them who is not my significant other. That was not um, an uncomfortable thing for me. And the reason that it was not an uncomfortable thing for me was because God had used the had used the heresy of love wins to then to to open me up to think about God's love for 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 people and for his people and for you know to think about those sorts of things okay so that's just a, that's just a personal anecdote okay and so what's what's the point the point is that this 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 type of like elitism, okay, and it's typically I think um, in reformed circles, okay. I think reformed people probably we probably get dogged on a little bit more than we deserve, but a good portion of it we bring upon ourselves, okay. Um, we have this like elitism where we want to attach ourselves to a teacher or to um, a hermeneutic or when we want to attach ourselves to a um, a way of systematizing theology and if it's not from that teacher or that hermeneutic or that way of systematizing theology then it's wrong and it needs to be repudiated. It needs to be renounced. Okay? And that's just silly to me. That's just silly. I know so many I can think of off the top of my head of a group of Christians who I do not doubt for a second love the Lord, love the Bible, love the church, right? love God's people. They, they pray so much more intently and, and just more frequently than I do, right? Their, you know, their prayer life is a, is a prayer life that I sort of covet. Um, and 
they are, as far as I can tell, way wrong on things like theology or, or things like soteriology and eschatology, right? And God uses people like that who are wrong on issues to shape us and make us more like Jesus tomorrow than we are today. And I just, it just kind of chafed me the other day when people were dogging on, I mean, I got dogged on and I get, I mean, I didn't care, you know, but I got dogged on because of who I picked, Right. And the four guys that I picked, that I listed, I have serious disagreements with every single one of them, right? I think um, Joel McDermott has taken some of his principles that I agreed with in um, Restoring America and has taken them in a direction that I'm not comfortable with, right? I can say that from like a like a 40-foot perspective because I've not interacted with him a whole, whole lot, but from the little the little glimpses that I've gotten, he's gone in a direction I'm not comfortable with. Um, I can say that Piper's um, Christian hedonism did a lot for me in terms of teaching me that God is after his own glory, therefore I ought to be, but I've recently started to kind of back away from the idea of Christian hedonism itself. Um, Mark Driscoll, do not believe that he's qualified to be a pastor, but was the first guy that kind of understood to go after the hearts of men. If you want to shape families, you got to go after the dad. You got to go after husband. You got to go after men, right? Not to say, um, you know what? I'm not even going to caveat it. That's what he did. Um, and Wilson, I don't agree with his Presbyterianism in terms of paid baptism and paid communion. Um, I take some hesitancy sometimes in the way that obedience is spoken about because I think it can muddy issues for people who are not well-read, you know, and people who don't understand, like, covenant distinctives. Um, so I have, see, I have real disagreements and real problems with all four guys that I chose for this little post or whatever but they still shaped me and they still impact me and I can look back over the years and say God used each of these four guys to make me more like Jesus and to shape me to be more like him and now I approach scripture differently than I did 12 years ago when I really had no idea what I was doing you know um and so I think it's it's just something that I want people to consider and I know in and I am 100% the worst offender about social media arguments. I'm 100% the worst person I know about arguing on social media. And I've never denied that, okay? But in the world and time that we live in of social media arguments, they can often lead to um, divisiveness over... Um, not, not, not a divisiveness, divisiveness over theological differences, because that's um, a fine thing to happen. I believe that there ought to be Baptist churches and Presbyterian churches and Lutheran church. You know, I, I, that's that's fine. But there's like a divisiveness that says um, 
it's like a, uh, a a divisiveness that paints people with broad strokes in terms of trying to read what their heart, where their heart is, right? So I can save my Presbyterian friends, and of my Presbyterian, I can save my Presbyterian friends. They are really truly committed to, to the scriptures, and their conviction that they have is is rooted in the text of scripture and in church history. Just like I can say of my fellow Baptists that our conviction is rooted in texts of Scripture and in church history and what we believe that the Scriptures teach, you know, um, and the division is not well. I can't get. I therefore cannot get along with Presbyterians and they're outside of the bounds of orthodoxy. The division is um, I can't violate my. Con- I cannot violate my conscience by baptizing my baby, right? Um, and there is certainly, I'm not going to get into it now because I just pulled into the, into the house, into the driveway. There certainly is a difference between uh, bemoaning uh, someone's guy, right, that they pick for their theologian who's influenced them. There certainly is a difference between that and warning someone about a false teacher, okay? Um, there certainly is a difference between that. But I, ju- I guess... What I just want to see happen, and it's a pipe dream. I fully realize it's a pipe dream. I guess what I just want to see happen is people give people who they, whether you know them or don't, I want us to, to give people the benefit of the doubt, okay? And I don't want us to be hostile towards other Christians, because of the people who have influenced them to get them to where they are today. Because if you're a, if you're a believer and your influences have been um, Spurgeon and Whitfield and um, Spur, let's say Spurgeon, Whitfield and um, Watson and Piper, okay, those have been your four. And then another guy says that his are Augustine, Bonifer, um, I don't know, Augustine, Bonifer, Wilson, and um, Tim Keller, okay? I want you to be able to give each other the benefit of the doubt. And regardless of which theologians have impacted you the, mo- the most, if you're if you are a Christian, then you're both on the same um, pilgrimage. You're both heading for the same destination, which is regardless of your eschatology, the new heavens and the new earth. Ultimately, right? You're both headed that way, and you're both headed towards becoming more like Jesus, okay? And, if you're bemoaning a brother or a sister because of the theologians that have impacted them, assuming that they are a true brother or a true Christian, when you are jumping down their, when you jump down their throat and get on their case for it, and don't show them any grace, and don't show them any charity, um, you are being ungracious, and impatient with somebody uh, who Jesus decided to die for. 
And that's, I, I want you to consider that and I want you to, to hear that, okay? And I have faces pop up in my head who I think that, that can be kind of applicable to. Um, Jesus died for that brother or that sister. Jesus shed his blood for that person and Jesus bought them, okay? And so... I get it that sometimes there are people, they just rub you the wrong way and you can love them like a brother and you just say, Our, we just we just butt heads and we don't get along and it's just better if we don't communicate. I hear that. I sympathize with that. I don't, I'm not necessarily saying that that's wrong. I just want you to keep in, I just want us to keep in mind that the guy, the, the, the guy that really annoys you, the guy that you really can't stand the guy that pesters you about who your theologians are that influence you, um, that guy or gal, Jesus died for them. So I hope that that gives a little bit of a gut punch because it's a little bit of a gut punch for me and it's been a little bit of a gut punch for me to kind of think through and walk through the past couple of days. Um, I hope some toes get crunched a little bit. Um, just some things to consider, just some things to talk about, um, to divert our eyes from, from otherwise all consuming events. So that's that. Um, I love you guys. Thanks all six of you. Uh, thanks for listening. Um, if you want to find me on Twitter, I'm on Twitter at a Ray Whitlock, um, emails, Anthony Ray Whitlock at Gmail. I'm on Facebook as Anthony Ray. Um, I'm not that difficult to find on social media. Um, and if you don't like what I have to say today, then you can just blame Pastor Josh Robinson of New Haven Church in Logan, West Virginia, because he inadvertently inspired this podcast. So, thanks, guys. Have a good one.